Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 2nd of January, 2022. And on today's show, a look back at TCU's win over Michigan. What does it mean for the Big 12? What do we learn from that game that can be applied for Big 12 teams in spots like this moving forward? And also just some thoughts about TCU's upcoming matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs. So a packed show, that's all coming up next. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Thank you all for making 2022 an excellent year for us. Over 500,000 listens and views across YouTube and wherever you guys listen to your podcast. So appreciate that so much. We'll set some goals here shortly, but if you all have not subscribed before, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at LOBig12, and you guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. All of those places are great places to engage. Um, Welcome to the new year. Glad to be here in 2023 and in the year 2023, one week from today while I am recording this right now. Uh, we have a little bit over a week, obviously, with the extra hours added on. But as I'm recording this, we are a week away from the day where TCU will take on the Georgia Bulldogs in the national championship game in Los Angeles. Um, and just going back, watching the game over again, I've got some thoughts about what happened in this game, the kind of stuff that we can apply to other teams in the league, and kind of what does it mean moving forward. Number one, What does this mean for the Big 12? Um, The Big 12 can play with the big dogs, right? With the Big 10s, with the, um, you know, with these teams that are, you know, the SECs, obviously. And it it was important that this game happened on this day because we saw earlier in the day in the Sugar Bowl, you know, sometimes there are guys who are erasers. And Bryce Young on Saturday morning, at least wasn't a racer right uh, in, in the sugar bowl. I mean, I, I don't know if I don't think anybody was going to beat him that day. Receivers played pretty well, but he was dropping balls in tight windows all day long. And besides generate more pressure, which can be tough to do. Bama's offensive line wasn't great this year, but it can be tough to do against guys like that. Um, he was going to go off that day. It's a reason why he's going to be number one pick probably in this draft this year. He is amazing to watch. And there are guys like that on the Alabamas of the world, on the Georgias of the world, sometimes the Ohio States of the world, sometimes the Michigans of the world. There are players who are just like that, which makes it very, very difficult to beat them. That being said, um, you know, teams like TCU can still win. And we saw it the other night. And uh, that is encouraging for this league moving forward. I think the one thing I would say is teams built like Kansas State are going to have a tougher time. Teams built like Cincinnati was last year going to have a tougher time teams built like TCU are are more adequate to uh to contend with teams like Michigan because the one difference is how athletic TCU is and that's going to be the challenge it's going to be the key is can these big 12 teams build rosters with the same level of athlete that TCU has and we're talking about guys like Darius Davis, we're talking about guys like Quentin Johnston and Kendra Miller and Amari Mercado and Tay Barber and Savion Williams 
And oh yeah, you have to have all of them at the same time, essentially. You have to have all of them together. More on those guys in a second. But for the league overall, it means they can play with them. They can get in these opportunities. And it's important that this is happening right now. And by right now, what I mean is we just saw the new Big Ten television deal, right? It is going to be basically around or even north of $1 billion a year at this point in time. Uh, the SEC will get a new one here in a few years. The ACC as a long-time one, so there's kind of different at this point in time. The Pac-12 does not have one yet. The Big 12, it sounds like, has one, and we know there's going to be a pretty significant gap as Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC and as the Big 12 continues onward, right? But um, what we saw was, and it was so funny watching the game, is that the reasons why people have knocked the Big 12 before, i.e. it's seven on seven, uh, that kind of thing, it created what was this dynamic, amazing, entertaining football game where everybody was on the edge of their seats. I know Georgia and Ohio State kind of stole the show because it was later, but that TCU game in the third quarter against Michigan was absolutely bonkers. And I want to give the, the Michigan coaching staff some credit because some of the stuff they were drawing up there, uh, they schemed some stuff open. Uh, they got guys available, and McCarthy did the job for the most part with a lot of those deep shots. Uh, it was not the Michigan running game that we thought. And because it was deep shot and, and things like that, and that's where the turnovers happened for TCU, that's where things really got exciting and really got interesting in this game. And I tweeted this out. I said, the Big 12 game has broken out, and everybody was freaking loving it. Everyone was enjoying this to the max uh, and, and what this, this had to deliver. And the reason, one of the reasons why TCU won and TCU never trailed is because they thrive in games like that. They thrive in the back and forth chaotic uh, kind of mess that was created. And they were, they've been down this year. We've seen it multiple times, but um, they never got down in this game. It felt like it was trending those directions, but they always had the counter punch after the punch. And, well, do I, do I think that kind of style is always going to be uh, easy to play in games like this? If you're playing against Ohio State with if Marvin Harris is still in the game and Emeka Obuka and, and all those guys? No, I don't think that you can, you can live that way. Um, but at least in this game, they were able to. And this style can work at a certain time. Um, and that kind of gets to point number two for me. Stars matter to a point, right? This is, this is something that uh, a lot of people talk about. I thought Ari Wasserman over from The Athletic, he, he does a podcast, Andy Staples does a really good job. And he wrote a really good piece about TCU kind of um, in a bit, in a way, they are debunking kind of this idea that stars matter, right? And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is, um, it matters. It's why we love National Signing Day. It is why National Signing Day is so significant. It's why these recruiting classes are so significant. It is why the blue chip ratio exists, right? The blue chip ratio is something for those of you who do not know. Um, it is done by the folks over at 24-7. It's done by Bud Elliott specifically. It's basically a national championship winning formula, right? And what it says is you need to have more five and four stars than you do three stars on your roster. He says, to put it simply, when national championship college football Teams need to sign more four- and five-star recruits, a.k.a. blue chips, than two- and three-star players over the previous four recruiting classes. 
This has been true basically as far back as the modern internet recruiting rankings have existed. Media will sometimes hype up a team which has not met the threshold of the national title contender, but history has not shown that this is a smart practice. Think Wisconsin, Baylor, Michigan State, TCU, Utah, Cincinnati over the last decade. Even the Bearcats, who made the last college ball playoff, were really no match for a blue-chip team built like Alabama, right? So if you go ahead and you look this year, there were one, two, let's see, I think he's got, I'm looking at the list right now. There were 15 teams that he's got listed that can win a national championship. The lowest team he had was Auburn, which 54% of its roster are made of four and five stars. The highest was Alabama, who is 89% four and five stars. Ohio State, Georgia, OU, AM, Texas, LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, uh, Florida, excuse me, Oregon, Michigan, Penn State, Miami were all on there. TCU has, has broken through this mold and has a chance to win it. Will they? I don't know. But the fact that they're there playing in this in this game is significant because, um, and I like to see Bud's numbers on how many teams have actually made the title game breaking this threshold, right? I think Clemson lost to Bama a few years ago and broke and, and was not in the threshold, but I think they lost that game. So you're seeing what I mean here when I say, I, I don't know how many schools, but think about it, like Alabama, Georgia last year, uh, LSU, Clemson a few years ago. Uh, you know, you kind of just go down and down the list and like think about the title games. The title games normally involve two teams that fit this bill, that fit this model, or, you know, Ohio State versus Alabama, whatever, so on and so forth. Right. So TCU has broken this mold just a bit. And what is the big difference? What is the big difference when it comes down to this? And I will say, I think this is the next thing. Coaching is huge. Coaching is absolutely imperative for what TCU did. Because I thought for that whole game, uh, most of that game, third quarter offensively, uh, the, you know, the things that happened for Michigan were pretty good. But I thought for most of the game, um, TCU was the better coach team. Besides that Donovan Edwards run in the beginning of the game, TCU did a great job of containing what Michigan did well. They were able to get up in the gaps in the offensive line. They committed a lot of guys between the tackles to stopping the run. And oftentimes it worked out for them very, very well. They held up in coverage on the backside in those situations pretty well. The, the play action stuff got them a few times, right? That they they had they were had, but but that being said, they made other plays as well. If you're going to give up some stuff in the passing game, you better make some plays in the passing game. That's and that's not unfamiliar to Big Twelve defenses, right? Big Twelve defenses sometimes, especially when when things got super pointsy. We talked about teams that all right, you might give it up, but can you force turnovers and make plays? That's what you have to do. You have to have a playmaking defense. That's what a lot of these schools where right, if our personnel is not as good, we have to find ways to, to force turnovers if we're going to give up points to schools like Texas and Oklahoma and even this year, you know, TCU, right? Uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State, not as much to the past because their offense last year weren't as good. But you all kind of get to maybe even Iowa State, right, when they had their prime offense going, forcing turnovers is what did them in a lot of times um, and forced bad decisions. That is what TCU did. I, I tweeted this out, but I thought Joe Gillespie, no matter how many points they gave up in this game, I thought he coached one hell of a football game. I thought he did an excellent job because those guys were confident. They never got down at any point. They got the stops they needed to get in this game. 
and they scored the points they needed to, right? Two defensive touchdowns were, uh, you know, absolutely the massive difference in this. And also, I know they didn't really force that fumble on the goal line, but they picked up that ball on the goal line, which was clearly a fantastic, meaningful play. And so I thought Joe Gillespie was dialing things up all night. I thought TC was causing problems for them, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball for a lot of the evening. Um, and they had four sacks in this game. Uh, all of them came from the game of his life. I mean, Dylan Horton, you know, we, he had some moments there, especially in that championship game uh, against against Kansas State where I thought he really, you know, was, was playing fantastic. Uh, he kind of had a little stretch there. I think he got back-to-backs or two sacks in the same possession. Right, but this is six sacks in his last two games. This is six sacks against Michigan and Kansas State combined. It's four against Michigan against a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, a forced fumble in there, um, you know, as well, and a pass deflection. He he had a dominant football game. We had mentioned a whole lot about how this defensive line needed to have the game of their li- the games of their lives. Dylan Horton had the game of his life, but he has been trending in this direction ever since that championship game. He is a a difference maker. I thought, you know, their ability to kind of free him up and get him involved. They were so confident going against that uh, that, that Michigan offensive line and what they thought they're going to be able to do and they were able to accomplish at a lot of points this game. Once again, they had some problems in the back end. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they ended up giving up, you know, totally offense, 528 yards of offense. Um, But it was a lot of big chunk plays. They held Michigan below five rushing yards per play. And also, if you take out that massive scamper in the beginning, that that was a whole lot of it. And they forced the three turnovers necessary to get themselves. So coaching was huge. Um, And then on the offensive side, I thought Garrett Riley did a really good job. I thought Garrett Riley had this team prepared, had this team ready. Um, Their mistakes were avoidable. The fumble from DiMercato was avoidable. The the two drops that turned into interceptions were avoidable. That was not a coaching thing. That was players not making plays. The first throw was a little tough, a little tight in there. From Max Duggan, but I thought it should not it was not an interception where they throw. Obviously, Darius Davis gets popped in the chest. I actually said that was a third down play. I thought they would go to Davis there. And Davis gets gets, you know, just it hits him in the chest, loses the ball, they turn it over. Obviously, the mayor caught a fumble in a critical moment, but they always stayed composed. They always rallied because they thrived in that position. And a big part of this guy's skill, skill, skill. The one advantage we talked about coming into this game that TCU had over Michigan, especially with Blake Corum out, was their skill position players were, they just have more good skill position players than basically every single team they play. And I would contend that it's actually somewhat true when they play Georgia too. Like this TCU bunch, it's not just dying. I mean, these are all pretty good players, right? I don't, they were all like bad recruits, whatever. I have to go back and check, but all of these guys have developed into very dynamic skill players. Like the fact that you switch out, you know, you switch out uh, Kendra Miller, who was eight for 57 for Amari DiMercato, who went 17 for 150 in a touchdown is, um, you know, that's, that's, that's like next level stuff. That is what the Georgias and the Alabamas, that's what they do, right? Oh, Jalen Hurts out of the game. Tua comes into the game. Young Devontae Smith is in the game. All these freshmen are in the game making plays in the bowl games. Look at these guys who are going to be stars of the future. TCU has developed guys to that point. Um, Tay Barber caught a touchdown. Darius Davis now has the drop, but is obviously an important player. Them didn't even play that well. 
Uh, Jordan Hudson, they, they didn't get the ball to Savion Williams. Quentin Johnston has the big game. As I mentioned, uh, DeMaricado and Kendra Miller, and you pair that up with Max Duggan, it's going to go really well. So they've cultivated these skill players, and you need to have guys like this. You need to have difference makers. Think about the Tay Barber touchdown earlier in the game. Uh, they give enough space, and that side empties out. He's a burner. He can fly. He can go. They cleared it out. Touchdown easy. Quentin Johnston needed to clear one, and then it was, hey, see ya. And that's a big dude. That is a big dude who was hauling ass downfield on that one play. So that skill matters, and they need to make that skill matter in the following game. And I'll tell you what, we'll get more into this, but there is a lot of conversation about, hey, how good of a corner is Keely Ringo? Very good corner, really good player, will be a first-round pick. Um, but and, and obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. is a tough cover, but if you have elite wide receivers, and Quentin Johnston is definitely an elite wide receiver, Ringo has gotten burned before. And not just against, not, not just by, uh, by Marvin Harrison Jr. There are other games where teams are able to move the football and able to target a guy like Achille Ringo. So there's that too. But something else that we have to mention about this, uh, about this kind of going back to this, and we always, we always kind of acknowledge this all the time. We always talk about this position, this position, um, you know, in, in sports, is the quarterback play, right? What was the recipe for them? Max Duggan was not excellent in this game from a number standpoint. 14 for 29, two TDs, two picks, and then uh, ran for two scores as well. But on those two plays I talked about, all right, the, the two touchdowns, that, the pass that he threw, I think it's essentially the same play. Um, I think it's kind of almost like a screen, and you have to get the ball near the line of scrimmage to make sure there's no legal man blocking downfield, anything like that. Um, what is really important on that play is that when eventually the pressure does come that the quarterback has to get like you need the guy who's got to who's got to make sure he can deliver the time and i know it's a pretty easy throw because everybody's out of there but you have to you have to drill that play down you have to nail that play down in practice you have to be able to in whatever moment it is whatever part of the field is recognize the pressure extend that play clear out that space and deliver the ball it sounds easy when you watch it but you think about all the components that go into that play, it takes a guy recognizing all of that stuff to make sure he gets out. If they bring an extra rusher and that guy gets through, you really have to get on your horse, get on your, you know, to, to make sure that you can clear out. So there is an angle, right? Because you don't want to throw that ball back. You can throw it a little bit across the field, but you don't want to throw it back across the field to any traffic. Um, and, and so a big part of that is making sure you clear out and make sure you're, you know, or you, you get far enough back in the line to give those guys space and to make that throw. He did that twice. Great execution on that. A couple of, you know, the touchdowns, short yard situations, good job. They finally gave him the ball. They made things happen with that quarterback play is a huge difference. And you can tell the disappointment that Max Duggan suffered from, from that, uh, the Kansas state loss. We saw it after the game. And he said, you know, college ball playoff, whatever. Um, we just want to, you know, we just wanted to give this championship to, T to, to TCU. And, you know, ironically enough, on a day where Kansas State gets smoked, the Big 12 champion, uh, the team that was kind of the Big 12 regular season champion, if you will, TCU goes and gets the job done against the Michigan team. And Max was a huge part of that. Once again, the numbers won't flash to you, but those two picks were not his fault. Basically, the four total touchdowns for him, he had a massive day on both the ground and through the air. And he was a huge difference maker 
in this contest. And there is no doubt about it. He will have to be once again, because uh, you know, all those guys that they've got over another side from, you know, for Georgia, and we'll go through the entire list at a different time. Um, playmakers, Carter, you know, your Wyatt's the world, you know, the guys that they've had for, you know, through their Davis before, you know, Ringo now, like they, that team is always, always, always absolutely stacked when it comes to the defensive side of the ball and playmaking whatnot. And they usually, the one thing that actually they don't do a whole lot is that team rarely has to, to rush a whole lot of guys. Now it's funny because they did commit more resources to making CJ Stroud uncomfortable um, in this game, that was something that they really, you know, they, they definitely, uh, kind of prioritized in this game. Actually, I'm finally looking at the tackle guys. Now we'll see some Tyke Smith. Uh, I believe he's still playing right. Um, all the guys they've had, you know, past and present whatnot. Um, you know, th- this is a team that always has not had to bring a ton of pressure. You know, I think about like, I think about Devontae Wyatt last year. I think about, that's why I mentioned him earlier on I think about Devontae Wyatt. And I think about Jordan Davis, uh, I think about other guys that had the defensive line last year and also the linebacking core, right? Um, you know, Nolan Smith's the world, guys like guys like that. They they never really had to bring that much pressure because, and obviously Nolan Smith this year and they lose him, which sucks. Um, but because those guys could get home. And then Georgia, even when I was at Missouri, usually kept everything ahead of them. They do a, they did a great job of that, right? Um I'm wondering what they'll, if they'll be able to do that this year. TC's offensive line has struggled at times. There have been definitely been times that, t- that TC offensive line has not been an elite group, and they're going to need to be. They're going to need to play their best game if they want to win that game coming up here uh, on uh, you know uh, next Monday night. So I, I will say like that QB play, it's got to be fantastic again. But it was not you know elite, elite, elite level, uh, but still it was pretty good. And, and look, TCU's got room they can they can definitely improve upon. Um, obviously Michigan did too. And I think Georgia will too, but I'll tell you what Stetson Bennett and Max Duggan are two guys who have gone through some pretty weird stories in their college careers. And Bennett's got a chance to make it back to back. You saw the emotion when Ohio state missed the kick. Um, Duggan obviously gets his shot at redemption after the K state game and did not disappoint. And this game is going to be, obviously the buildup is going to be very exciting because what TCU and Georgia just put on and we'll have more on Georgia later on, but that game was a lot of fun. Um, you know, Max Duggan, maybe make some plays with his feet. That that'll be exciting, right? That that's, that's kind of uh, a situation here. If we want to pressure him, he'll be asked to make some plays with his feet. So I think, uh, I think that would be the best way to, to do it. Um, sorry, I was reading a message. Uh, we're going to talk to Steven Simcox tomorrow, which is exciting. Locked on horn frogs, uh, which is, which is nice. So, yeah, I, I think there is a whole lot to break down this game, but, but obviously looking back at the Michigan game, a huge day for the Big 12 Conference. Um, some validation, just some good feelings. I know that they'll be in the playoff when it's a 12 team, but they've debunked the narrative that you can win a, you know, they've now won a playoff game in the CFP, four-team CFP era, and they were in serious danger of not having that be the case and being the only school that was not, you know, that was not the case with them, right? They were not able to get the job done in the CFP. And so that is huge. It's really massively important, I think, that they were able to do so. They're able to get the job done and uh, able to you know now play for a national championship in the 14 playoff era. Uh, that's huge. All right. So that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Um, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, all of those things. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.